Welcome to Sonic's Flight, the podcast devoted to all things Sonics. Sonic's Flight is a monthly podcast discussing current events, news, and topics of interest to the Sonics community. We aim to entertain and educate builders and pilots of Sonics aircraft designs, inspiring them to complete and operate their aircraft safely and efficiently. Welcome to the Sonics Flight Podcast. This is episode number 42, Flying the B-Model. So the B-Models have replaced the legacy A-Model Sonics, and, and that is the new model going forward. But there's a lot of people out there that have not had a chance to see a B-Model, they haven't sat in a B-Model, and pretty much nobody has flown a B-Model. We're going to talk with the very first customer B-Model to fly. We're going to get his thoughts on the B-Model kit, the conversion from a legacy model to a B-Model, and then flying and comparing it to, uh, to the models we know and love. My name is Jeff Schultz, builder and pilot of Sonic 604 and Sonic 1374. Joining me are my two good flying buddies, Gary Motley and John Gillis. Gary is a longtime pilot. He's a former CFI and a multi-time airplane builder. Gary, how you doing tonight? Very well, bud. Glad to be with you again. Good deal. Good deal. And John Gillis. John is best known for his custom touches, including his speed cowl, his tilt-back canopy, his tow brakes, and his soon-to-be-completed awesome B-model conversion. John, what's going on? Well, I'm just waiting for my B-model kit to come, because I want to join the ranks of the Bs, the Super Bs. Yeah, that's going to be scary, because um, you're going to have to reclaim your title of the fastest B-model YX. Uh, at this point, it should be pretty easy. You only got to beat the factory, right? Well, that's it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give up the speed cow to go to the B-model cow. And so, you know, we don't know what, what modifications are going to have to happen to that to make it the fastest B-model. Oh, maybe a few dark gills, something along those lines. I, th- I think it's all going to be paint. It's just going to be different <laughs> paint schemes. Yeah, and that's a proven scientific fact. If you paint it like it looks fast, it will be fast. Well, it'll be fun getting there and, uh, and seeing how it turns out. I'm looking forward to the project. So joining us is Leroy Brandt. Leroy built an AeroV-powered Sonics kit number 393 back in 2014, or I guess completed it in 2014. And then, for reasons which he'll tell us all about, he decided that he wanted to convert to the new B-model. He was one of the very first conversion customers, and now is the first flying customer B-model kit. Leroy also replaced his AeroV engine at the time with a UL Power 260IS. So, Leroy, you're one of the one of the very few people to have flown a B-model, period, that puts you in a pretty short list of folks. Yeah, I've got, uh, let's see, all of about two and a half hours on it. And I guess that, that does make put me two and a half hours ahead of everybody else. But <laughs> um, it's a real fun airplane. And even as the, as the A-model, we all know that it's, it's a very fun airplane. And I was looking at the builder support site. Leroy, and they show you with two different serial numbers. I do have. Yeah, I have a a tail dragger Jabiru powered uh, number 173. Marty Smilton, he got a Conomwalk, built that airplane. He had it at several of the workshops many years ago. It was polished, and then it had uh, metallic green fiberglass parts. Real pretty airplane. Anyway, he sold it to a fella, and that... uh, that guy was very ill and passed away. I bought it from his uh, his daughter, and it was it was sort of abandoned at that time, dust and 
and bird droppings and everything all over it. Um, and it needed some of the modifications like under the seat and, uh, oh, the new, the new baffling for the Jabru stuff like that. I was, that, was that a 22 or 33, 3,300. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So you still have both of them. Yeah, I do. Um, right. guy called me today about the, about the, uh, number 173. I've, I've had it up for sale a few times. Guy, this guy might be interested. It's out of annual, so I'd have to get it annual. Marty even came back and annualed it several years for me, but I wouldn't. I was sure wouldn't ask him to do that now. So that was a 2003 registration airplane. I had I had uh, three airplanes once upon a time. I bought a Challenger. That's why it took me 13 years to build my Sonics. <laughs> I had three airplanes. I had a Challenger that I bought partially completed then i bought marty sonics and then i quit flying marty sonics when i wanted to get mine done and sold the challenger and so anyway for those people who are not quite sure what a b model really is essentially a b model is the newest generation of sonics airplane there's a b model yx a b model sonics uh tail dragger tri-gear all the normal stuff that sonics has been doing but they made a series of enhancements, and that is now standard in the B model. Things like wider cockpit. They, rather than tapering the cockpit towards a, a smaller firewall and kind of a pointed nose, it just goes straight forward and you have a larger cockpit area. Gives you more room at the knees and a bit more at the shoulders also. Makes it a little bit more roomy. They also added a slightly different instrument panel that fills out the cockpit a little bit more. Uh, gives you more room for larger displays and ephuses. Gives you a 20-gallon fuel tank. They had a, a series of refinements to the airframe, side exhausts on the engine cowling exhaust outlets, um, a, a nice canopy mod with machine canopy bows, electric flaps driven by a linear actuator, and just a handful of other things that are now standard. I guess the reason I switched to a B model is I broke the A model. I had a... Uh, July 18th, 2016, I was putting the 25th hour on my airframe and engine just before I was going to go up to Oshkosh later that week and start camping. And uh, I was only a couple, three miles from the airport. Uh, total flight time was a shade over nine minutes. And I was showing up to a but the airplane over over the Lake Wisconsin for some friends of mine that had just stopped by the airport and uh, they were back home. So I thought I'll fly over his house and it was just flying and running beautifully. And the ROV sounds awesome anyway. And uh, I was climbing back out after, I guess I went down to about 1400 feet um, over the lake. And I was climbing back up to 16, 1700 and something broke and I lost partial power. I still had power. I had throttle was back away. So I put the throttle all the way in, started looking for a place to set it down. It wasn't, um, the engine obviously wasn't as smooth as it was before. I didn't know what was wrong. Uh, I decided I can make it to the end of the airport. Now I was going to be going downwind 
Um, but I did get get back to Lodi Airport. I was high and I was fast. And the end of the runway was coming up pretty fast, even though when I was on the 2,500 foot end. So I just kind of set it down and uh, folded the nose wheel under and, and did some firewall damage and um, slid about 300 feet. Uh, went online, I filed the FAA no fault report and uh, got a call from the FAA. Uh, the next day, a couple of fellas came out and we were pulling the engine apart. And he said, take that valve cover off. There was one on the pilot side and plink, a little part fell out. Well, that was a long story on my engine, but it hit, that was its second case. And apparently the push rods were to, were not long enough for the for this for this engine. And if I'd have gone back to page 23 on the manual, when I adjusted everything, I'd have realized um, they were extended a little too far. So anyway, I decided to pull it all apart. I called the insurance company. And uh, they wanted me to give them an itemized estimate of everything. Took me about a month to get that together. I took the engine to uh, to a shop, and they tore it down and uh, came up with a total of almost twenty five thousand dollars in parts damage. Um, I don't believe I figured any labor in there. I had thirty thousand haul on it, but I figured twenty five thousand would would. Uh, just under that would be would be enough, and that included tax and everything. So I got the check, and I was thinking about repairing it. So I saw that Eric Seber had a had this UL listed on uh, on Sonic's talk, and uh, so I I ended up contacting him and and bought the engine new in the new in the box, but it was almost two years old. So the warranty was up, but I didn't care too much about that. It fit the engine mount that Sonics was going to be building. So I decided that I would take the money, buy that engine, and buy a conversion kit. And it pretty much covered that pretty much covered everything that I had to have. So the conversion kit was a little over nine thousand, I believe. The parts came then that fall. Um, there was quite a bit missing, including longerons. Now, the bottom longerons are exactly the same on the A and the B. The top longerons are one-inch square, 6061 T6 aluminum tube. Um, they were missing. Well, you can't do a heck of a lot without longerons, so I ordered, I ordered my own, and I wasn't going to drill out all the rivets on the bottom one. And incidentally... When I picked up my kit, I've got these all these boxes and this great big long pallet sticking out of the back of my truck. And I get back to the hangar and I unload it. And I thought, well, I think I'll load up and take the whole existing front end to a recycle place and get rid of it. Well, I got lazy and didn't do it. but And, and I was lucky because all of the parts on the inside of the fuselage, forward fuselage, have to be reused, except for the two vertical pieces on either side of the spar tunnel. Those are now 90 degree instead of one angle being open and one angle being closed. So um, I started 
putting a bench together again in the hangar and, and started. I already had the fuselage apart, ready to go. I built the, the whole front end, flipping it around and rotating it. It was really easy to work. It's quite a bit different because the bottom um, is is different. The, around the, the area underneath the seat now has ribs and uh, the seat, the bottom of the seat is riveted in permanently. Um, but like I said, all the other parts that fit on the fuselage side for stiffening and whatever are reused. And my airplane was uh, originally scratch built. Um, so all these parts I made and all the holes lined up amazingly. So um, that all worked out really, really well. Joining the front to the back was, uh, was difficult. Um, we, I had a couple of guys helping me for that. Otherwise, I pretty much worked alone. Um, but that otherwise, the, the general straight building is, is pretty much the same. Um, the, the machine parts now are, are made for joining the tail cone to the fuselage, the forward fuselage. And they're, they're all beautifully done. Uh, and they're, but the holes are in slightly different locations. So there's a little modification that has to be made there. Well, we got that all together. Uh, the bottom wasn't fitting very well from my airplane, my old one. So I decided to take the whole bottom off, um, which worked out pretty well because the push rod now for the elevator is uh it's offset it's not in the center of the airplane i believe it's offset to the pilot side so the uprights with the fair leads have to be uh removed and and moved over slightly and then re-riveted so i was able to get up inside there and and do that uh, so then it was sitting sitting on the bench and uh, everything was joined up sitting on sawhorses, I guess. And I, so I started putting the, uh, the attachments in for, for the landing gear. Those are now different than on uh, the legacy model because of the, the fuselage is now square rather than angled. So I was able to sell all the weldments to a uh, fellow in Colorado and uh, he picked them up at Oshkosh that year. Um, and let's see what else, uh, where I started, the firewall had a couple of head scratching moments and, a, a call to carry. And he kind of pointed out a couple numbers that I didn't see on the, on the plan set. And, uh, so that, that went smoothly. Mine is a little bit different than anybody else's is going to be, but, uh, You'll never know it. There's a nice piece of stainless that runs all the way across the front um, that uh, made it fit beautifully. All the parts go together so darn nice. Um, I didn't have that luxury on the first airplane. I drilled a lot of the holes myself. I had the holes. I scratch built the wings. I scratch built the tail. Um, I guess plans built. Um, I bought the uh, formed aluminum kit so that gave me all the control surfaces but when i got to the fuselage i bought the skins and still made the formers and everything else so um 
I got the, I was starting to put the windshield in and the bows now are wonderful. You know, they're solid rivets, uh, uh, pounded rivets that, that hold the three machine sections together. The canopy is actually almost fun. Uh, the windshield I fought with, uh, because there's, uh, there's a windshield skirt out of 25,000 aluminum. The guys in the shop, I believe, um, I understand now they put the, the plexiglass onto the aluminum laying flat on a bench. They get it all centered up. Well, I, I wasn't smart enough to think of that and think that that would work. So I had, uh, I had the skirt stuffed down between the lingeron and, and, uh, and the outer skin and then slide the windshield in and try to get it to push up against the, the, the skirt and uh, take up what space it's supposed to take up and not pucker along the back on the canopy bow. Um, so I fought with that pretty hard. And I had an awful time getting the, getting the skirt to go down between the lingeron and the skin far enough to make the canopy or the windshield fit correctly. Oh, and then the windshield, the hole for the fuel filler was actually um, cut wrong on the first round of, of windshield. So I got a new one from Sonics and I did make it work. I, I got it to work. Um, it's very tight up front, reaching all the way up to try to get a, a nut on a bolt. So when you get to around the fuel filler, and slightly left and right, four or five holes. I have uh, I have aluminum rivets there, and uh, of course my airplane's painted, so you can't really can't really tell. And then the rest of them are all all little machine uh, bolts and nuts. Um, but I did get it to work um, along the back of that windshield bow or the skirt. I had I couldn't get it down far enough so it, so that it wouldn't pucker, so I ended up dr taking all the bolts out. I cut that strip. I used it to make a pattern for a new one, and I made it longer so it could come down tight, and I could bolt it as I came down, and let it overlap where I had cut the cut the other one off at a shorter position. So it looks it looks fine. Um, but it was it was a it was a difficult job, and I wish I'd have known that uh, that it was it was done flat on the bench. That'd be a nice note to have on the plans. But my plans were quite early. Of course, I had the first first kit that went out of the shop. Probably the first set of plans that went out of the shop. Um, there were there were mistakes. Um, bolt links mostly were were off. Uh, generally they were, they were, the bolt links were too long. So I'd end up ordering bolts and, and start putting them in and off oh, shucks. They were too long. So I ended up with a lot of, a lot of extra hardware and had to order, um, extra parts quite often. So I'm sitting there with the fuselage done and, uh, I'm waiting for my motor mount. And I think it took me all winter on this to build. And I'm waiting for the motor mount. And I 
can't remember exactly. I was going to look back when I picked all this up, but uh, I got a call one day that it was it was done and powder coated. So I ran up and got it, and I had started mounting parts for the engine on the firewall, trying to guess where where it would fit. And uh, I was a little bit off. I had to move the fuel pumps, but uh, I think the fuel pumps and the, and the final filter. I had to move those positions, but it that was all on my left side of the the pilot side of the of the firewall. But the motor mount came and I think it was probably about a week's time and I had the engine hanging. And from there on it all all went uh went pretty smoothly installing it. It's quite a bit different than than how the you know the Aero V, no carburetor, fuel injected and uh has electronic ignition um i'm only running one battery i don't know um i guess i'd look for advice on that but uh i don't i'd have to find room for for a second one i did use the the odyssey battery again i bought a new one i could have taken nine pounds off my airplane my airplane finished weight is 717 before i forget that um my other, my legacy model weighed six ninety nine, so I, I have a lot of paint on it. <laughs> um, anyway, hey, Le- um, any questions along the way? Yeah, Leroy, how did the? Um, I've heard reports that the B model cowl is far more refined than the A model. Did you have to do a lot of trimming and, you know, iterative? Uh, fitting of the cowl like we did with the a model or did it just kind of bolt up did they have they improved that mold you know i believe it would have bolted up beautifully i ended up with with buying an engine from a previous builder who was going to put it in a legacy model he ordered the 55 millimeter prop hub there's a 110 millimeter prop hub available which is how you would get it if you ordered the engine from Sonics. So I ended up having to take about two inches off the back of my cowl. And okay, also, but, yeah, go ahead. Well, so so what I'm, I'm really questioning is, um, I remember when I did my A model, um, the cowl was a lot of iterative uh, <clears throat> trial and error in fitting. And I followed their instructions, you know, to the letter. Yeah. And it, it came out fine. but. Um, what I'm interested in is when I get my B model kit, uh, am I going to be more like a Vans where you just kind of put the piano hinge on and hang it? Or do you have to go through that process again? I think you're going to be real close to the Vans. Um, the angle is cut beautifully on the back. So it'll line up to your, line up to your hinge line on the front of the fuselage. Um, it fit quite well on the bottom. I, I never got a chance to really try it um, without having cut it off. Even with cutting it off, it uh, and and making it making my cut line parallel, it came out so it fit up there very nicely. Um, threw a couple of pails under it and supported it, and was able to mark it and hang the bottom. Um, it would fit under, around the bottom of the engine beautifully. The top of the cowl now is where 
my intakes ended up being very low. Um, the intakes on the engine are high. The intakes on the cowl are quite low. So I had to, I ended up cutting the front of the cowl apart from my old legacy cowl and taking those rings and re-epoxying those and fiberglassing them in in a new position. Is that because you went with the UL? Because I know the UL yeah. is a different. Okay. Because yeah. I have a Jabiru 3300, and I'm just wondering if, if I'm going to have to do much uh, fabrication on the cowl. I don't think you'll probably have to do any at all. The I think the the intake location uh, on the UL are just you know you know they're taller. If I'd had the 110 millimeter flange, I could have left the the cowl intakes where they were and ramped the air up with a piece of aluminum. But I yeah 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 I, I've seen the um, the One X uh, UL installations and they seem to have to do a lot of cowl modifications because of that. There's there seems to be the UL engine is a lot taller than the Jabru or the, the, uh, the Aero-V. Yeah. Yep. And the, the, the baffle system sticks up much higher and there's only so much that you can cut off. So I had to add bumps to the top of my cowl, which might not have been as prominent if I'd had the longer flange, which would have brought everything out and lowered that. But I, I'm still reluctant to say that it would fit without any modification to the top of the cowl. John Monette says it will, um, and he he's a lot smarter at this stuff than I am, but I know what I went through to make this this fit. Um, and the, on the right-hand side of the engine, the passenger side of the airplane, my intake was right up to the front of the cowl. If, the, if I'd had the longer prop flange i'd had room to ramp that air anywhere i wanted it to go would have made it much much easier but i didn't want to i guess i didn't want to spend 400 bucks for the flange and then take a brand new engine apart and uh so i decided to to do the modification which i'm happy with um it's working out okay and it doesn't look i think it looks fine um carl sever uh, Carl, 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 the guy with the 1X with the 130 horse um, engine. Carl Eldridge. Eldridge. Oh, he was my, he was so much help to me when I was working on this, um, on the, putting this engine in the airplane. Um, he recommended also uh, the UL uh, rep uh, said that I should talk to Carl and find out what his experience was and, uh, he had had a little, little problem with uh, fuel flow, and he recommended a facet pump ahead of the other two UL pumps uh, because he ended up, when he brought that airplane to Oshkosh, they fueled in Illinois somewhere, and there was 50 feet of hose laying out on the blacktop, and that fuel was quite warm. And the UL engine is circulating fuel all the time. Well, his, the only hole left in his tank where he could run fuel back was on the bottom of the tank down by the sump. And my fuel returns to the top of the tank on the B model. So he was picking up quite warm fuel. And he said that facet pump would just eliminate any problem he had. Well, I have not had a problem with, uh, with running the, the two UL pumps. 
However, you only run, you can only run one at a time. You can't run both at the same time. I can run the facet pump and I can run one of the fuel pumps, but not both of the uh, fuel pumps that UL provides. Um, any other questions there, I guess? Uh, what kind of uh, modifications to the wings did you have to do? Um, I know you have to cut the skins. You have to replace the mounting blocks. Right. Um, what about match drilling? I'm, I'm a little concerned on the aft spar where we, we had, you know, we originally match drilled, you know, right through the rear uh, spar carrier. I already have those tangs and they're already drilled. So I don't, I'm not sure how I'm going to re-rig my wings when I put my new nose on my airplane. Okay. Um, yes. They're, you're, you're probably taking about three and a half inches off the leading edge and you're cutting, you're, you're tapering that back to nothing um, at the trailing edge. Um, and I, I believe I got one new nose rib and one new uh, rear rib. And I, I ended up making, um, making the other ones. I think that's what's supplied in the kit. But I ended up making two new ones um, myself for the other for the other side. And the blocks, the measurements and everything are are really dead on um, that they give you on the plans for mounting those two new now the blocks are all machined the ones that we had to make up the inch uh what was it three sixteenths angle and a one inch square aluminum block and drill mounting holes and then the 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 large mounting hole for the wing bolts went through that now these are already done for you and um it was that was that was quite an easy process to get those those all mounted up um, the, it seems like some of the holes, <coughs> excuse me, for mounting the rib had to be, did I have to reuse some holes that were already existing? Or I think maybe I had to drill new ones, move, moving the rib in. So I didn't end up having to put it in a hole that had had a rivet drilled out of. Um, I did end up with a little problem on my wing walk where there you do reuse some holes and I had a couple of smoking rivets, but, uh, they just got five thirty seconds, uh, pulled rivets and that took care of that. Um, yeah, I wish I could picture that more at the trailing edge. Um, I know everything, everything fit back in the airplane very nicely. Um, now your um, the flaps are a, a little different linkage, um, yeah, because they don't have the flap tubes now up in front of the spar. They they sit behind the seat, and they have a mechanic or a uh, a linear actuator to operate them. So yes, they it's do. Just a direct drive right down to them. There's no more uh, of those arms that link forward. Exactly. Yep. There's a uh, that that weldment fits sits across the, the back of the fuselage, uh, the front of the tail cone, and uh, I think there's a template to use to to uh, to cut those exits. And 
that was that worked out very well those locations and mounting it in the fuselage seemed to work out real well the push rod itself has uh, of course two rod ends one end goes into a, a nut plate that's mounted inside the flap rib you have to take that flap rib out make a new one and there's a new plate that goes in there and that has uh that has a nut plate buried on both sides and uh i had it seems like the adjustment on those is is not real fine um for adjusting the flap location it seems like a turn will make make quite a bit of difference uh, because i ended up having a a fairly hefty heavy right roll and i fixed it uh, by by readjusting readjusting my flaps and i put a little trim tab on the left wing um but they they work they hook up it's tight it's tight getting in there but uh it, they work very nicely there it's a little slow compared to just pulling the lever and and then dropping a little you know pulling a little up nose uh trim uh you have to wait so i, I don't know what throttle you have um but i have I have a vernier with a, a locking ring, not the push button. I hate those. Um, so I can lock it where I want my throttle to be when I'm getting down below 100 and uh, and then hold the flap. You have to hold it for quite a while to get 10 degrees. And then maybe your maybe your base is, is kind of short. So you're, you know, you're, you're kind of getting in a hurry and you, you want it down to 20. I never land full flaps hardly ever, but uh, at least I can get twenty. So maybe maybe the idea is to start getting below a hundred a little faster, because it's not as quick as as pulling a, a ten degree notch and then pulling a twenty degree. Um, it takes a little longer to get this done. So, um, but that all works out. That works very very nicely, and they're smooth as a Dickens. Now, did you reuse your same landing gear legs, or did uh, you buy new landing gear legs? I have new landing gear legs. I've had I had a set <clears throat> from <clears throat> that I took out of uh, 173 that were uh, the other Sonics that I have <clears throat> that were they were bent back <clears throat> a little bit. So I replaced them, put new ones on there, and had a fella help had a fella cut these off for me. So I replaced them with with new landing gear legs. Um, and if you didn't have, have a problem like I did before I converted, uh, then your landing gear legs should be just fine. I would think. Oh, you have a tri gear. You don't have a, a tail dragger. I, I have a tri gear. Yes. Okay. And, um, my nose seems to be down just a little bit compared to the legacy model. I've, you know, the tank is 20 gallons. I'm only getting just a shade over 18 in it. And when I look at the airplane, it appears that it's just a little bit nose down. I'm wondering if the landing gear might have maybe should have been about a quarter inch longer, but uh, I'm going to let it go. I like it the way it is. So um, it well, works they, well. They, they sell it as a 20 gallon tank. So I'm hoping yeah. I can get 20 in it with my tail dragger. Oh, you sure? There, yeah, you, you'll get 20. And if I put my nose wheel on a block, 
um, lift it up on the prop a little bit, I'd be able to get 20 in also. But uh, just with it sitting on the ramp, it's a little bit, the nose is down a, a tad. So I've been putting 18 in it. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, oh, and far, I kept the, um, the, I kept the original trim tab. And, uh, and I mounted, I, I like that trim tab. I also have the dial trim. Um, but I, I, I tend to like them both. I like to be able to, to pull that quick little up trim after you start dropping some flap rather than having to dial the wheel. I like that just for, for fine tuning. But um, I do like the trim tab. Leroy, um, you mentioned the, the new canopy. Uh, tell us just a little bit more about what the new canopy looks like. That machine bow, I think, is pretty cool, but, but I've never really looked at it and played with it. So tell us more about that. Yeah. Um, well, all three bows now are machined. The one at the back of the windshield, the one at the front and back of the canopy. Um, there's two large um, uh, buck rivets that uh, hold those together. They lock together smoothly, so you're not getting them offset at all. Um, they, um, they, they're they a real joy to work with. They're, there's a little bit of a of a of a space the way they're machined, so you have room to get um, to run a tap in and have it have it run all the way through and and clean out the hole and a drill and then a tap, so you're not drilling into a solid piece of aluminum and 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 dry, running into a um, have to have a, a a tap that that taps all the way to the bottom, so a tapered tap works well there. Um, they were held in place nicely on the, on the frame. If I remember right, it was, there was, there was no re having to rebend them on your knee to get it to match the turtle deck and the, and the back of the windshield. It just, everything just fit beautifully. And, uh, that, like I said, the canopy was almost, almost fun to build. But you still got to drill all them holes about four or five times. <laughs> the original canopy design was if you didn't get the bow of the uh, windshield high enough, you had what we called the porpoise canopy, where you had yeah. this porpoise nose. Yep. Do you get that with these new machined bows where you don't really have an ability to adjust it? Uh, I think it'll build without the porpoise just perfectly. I have almost a perfectly a perfect straight line there. And, uh, I, I was fairly happy with it. Um, the way it worked out and that, you know, it just, the way the thing goes together and, and, uh, the back of the windshield canopy determines then where the back, the front of the, of the canopy canopy has to be the canopy. Uh, and they line up beautifully. They lined up very well lined up and, and, and lined up quite nicely with the, with the turtle deck. Um, someday I'd like to put that, put a seal in there like they use on the, on the subsonics to seal that off. But uh, right now I just wanted to get it flying. Well, it sounds like that's one of the biggest improvements in the B model is to really improve that canopy from being, uh, you know, a real 
uh, junkyard kind of fabricated thing to more of a van's uh, refined aircraft grade. Yeah, I believe you're. I believe you're. You're very accurate there. Between that and and the new cowl with the side outlets, and I think those side outlets alone make the airplane probably a little faster than having the lip on the bottom. Yeah, I hate to say it, but I I think that was a that was driven by um, Eggenfeller with Viking with his uh, Sport. Um, he came out with that, and oh, I like the yeah. yeah, I like the look. Actually, I was talking with Mark. And he explained that those side outlets came from their Taros UAV project. They were looking for a way to make sure that no oil or exhaust residue or anything like that went out the bottom of the cowling and contaminated the sensors that they were going to put on the Taros. So they came up with the side outlets. If Viking did anything with the side outlets, it was purely coincidental, or perhaps they just outright copied the Taros. Yeah, very clean. Um and it worked out pretty well. I thought I could just fiberglass them in, but I ended up riveting mine. I think I flush riveted and filled them. So, so. those aren't. Um, I'm just you know ignorant right now. Yeah. But are they? Uh, are they? They're not molded in from the factory. You have to actually uh, fabricate those yourself. Yes, you have the. They send you all the parts. You have to. Uh, you have to make them fit. Um, where they're supposed to be. I think the dimensions are pretty well spelled out on the drawings. So, and the, oh, also on the B model, they send um, some plastic, some ABS molded stuff to finish off the cockpit with. You get fuselage sides panels, and then back by the turtle deck, that's, that's all different too now. The turtle deck is put together differently. Um, and if your airplane's painted, there's there's some there's like an extra six or eight holes uh, right at the top corner of the fuselage where that all all gets put together because there's some a, a series of braces inside. Um, there's there's a whole mess of parts that that go to put that what used to be two two formers is now I think a series there's three three form parts on a side plus some little clips and things. So that was a little complicated at first, but I I got it to fit. So well Leroy, um tell us about some of the uh just sort of the ergonomic changes, the feel, kind of things you notice when you're sitting in the airplane. I know the seat is a little different and um you know the the view through the nose is a little different. Describe that for someone who has not sat in a B model. Sure. The seat now is this, the lowered seat mod, which you could use, used to be able to build as a lowered seat, is now the standard seat. Well, I didn't need the lowered seat. I didn't build it into my other airplane. I loved the way the seat was in, uh, in the Legacy. I ended up, well, I have a drop panel below the instrument panel for all my switches and breakers. The only way I know how to wire. I don't know how these guys wire with only... Three switches and three breakers. I have not got, can't get that through my head. So I've got numerous switches, a couple of different fuel pump switches and facet pump switch and, and mucho breakers. And uh, I needed a place for all that. So I dropped this panel down and it's almost flush with the front. It's back a little. If I do it again, I'd put it back a little farther, about three quarters of an inch because it'd give me more room for my knees. I'm six foot. And my knees are 
when they're on the rudder, feet are on the rudder pedals, my knees are right below this little sub panel of mine. And uh, that's if I have, I had leather interior that was uh, made by a fellow in Reedsburg. He had a lot of foam in the back. And that would push me forward enough that, and with the B model, you lose about an inch, maybe at least an inch of, of, of seating space front to rear between the panel and your back because of the seat dropping down now in front of the, the this uh, cross tie that's in ahead of the rear spar carry through. There's a cross tie in there, and now the the bottom, the seat bottom, sits on the spar tunnel in front, gets riveted on, and drops down onto the ribs, and then in front of this cross tie. So, and then the seat back is riveted to the back, I believe the back of that cross. No, I think it's a little more forward of the cross tie. So you actually you actually lose lose a little bit of, of length in the seating. I've pulled my interior apart and took a seam apart and found that he had two layers of foam in there. So I've been able to pull one out and, uh, and it's just perfect now. Now, I, I can't complain about the seating anymore because it fits me. Now, Leroy, did, can you take the seat out, the seat pan out, because, um, you know, in my current Sonics, I have a few things like autopilot uh, servos and some instrumentation underneath my seat. Uh, can you can you reach that stuff or is this all riveted and closed up? Well, that bottom is riveted in. And I talked to the to the guys in the shop one day. I was up there and I asked them about it. And they said, well, I'd put in some I just drill some lightning holes. And that's what I did. Yeah. So I've got two fairly large, I think, four-inch holes on left and right of the of the center stick now. And then if you have other things that you need to get to, you could just you could just drill a hole because you're you're not going to. There must so, be sixty rivets in that holding that in or more. Oh yeah. So so uh, that, that's a that's kind of uh, interesting. Um, because right now, you know, in the Legacy Sonics, you can just pull the six piano hinges and pull yeah. the entire seat pan out. Yep. And have full access to both inspection and to work down there. So we're losing that when we go to the B model. Exactly. Now, I don't know that you can't modify it. You could. Um, I, don't, I don't know if they're counting on this riveting to, the, to their ribs in the bottom for strength in the fuselage, whether it's structural or just because they lowered the seat that was nice and easy to put ribs in that attached to the back of the spar tunnel and the front of the cross tie with clips. Um, it might have been six and one, half a dozen of another that, you know, they, they, could, they didn't need it for strength, but as long as it was there, they did it. But I wouldn't, I think you could still use the other seat configuration it seems like the back the back of the seat um sits a little straighter up and down in uh in the b model um it seemed to me when i sat in the b model at 
at the uh, the factory that um, they used cushions or, or, or wedges of cushions to adjust the seating. And yeah. so it d- they definitely made a lot of adjustments to the way the seat uh, the seat pan is 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 put into the airplane. Yeah, and you could you could raise and lower yourself that way. Um, I never had a problem with hitting my head or my headset hitting the canopy. And even, you know, it all depends what your instep is and, you know, what your upper body length is and all that to, you know, determine how you fit. But, uh, yeah, anyway, yeah, the seat is, the seat is quite a bit different. And, uh, but I suppose it's there for modification if you, if you need it. So, Leroy, talk about um, the performance that you're seeing in your B-model. Okay. Um, first time I flew it was uh, November 27th. That was the first flight of the new B-model, first flight of that engine. I had quite a bit of ground running on it. I was making sure that pumps were working, that uh, fuel pressure was where it was supposed to be. So, um, when I when I took my first takeoff run, I couldn't rotate. So, okay. I had a, had to come back to the fellows that were, were spotting for me and open a canopy. I took the bottom seat cushion out. I had it modified from dual stick to single stick and it wasn't opened up quite far enough. So that the center stick has a lot of material on the back of it. So it needs quite a, quite a large, uh, cut out for that. So once I threw that seat out and I threw the back out, I just sat on the bare aluminum. Um, the next time I went down the end of the runway, it, it just leaped into the air so much better than what I had with, uh, 7580 horse. So this is now 107 and I was still staying under the 3000, 3000, 3000 RPM that they were recommending for the first five hours. Um, Climb was really good. Um, I don't I don't have numbers exactly, but it felt like it was climbing better than better than the eighty. Um, cruise was a. I'd say cruise is about the same. I'm still the three times I flew it, November, December, and January. It was always rougher than the Dickens. We have a lot of little little bumps and hills around us, and. Uh, and I was staying real close to the airport with the, with the new engine and with the experience I had when I broke it. So um, I didn't leave to go find some flat ground, but uh, it just seemed like it was performing very well. And I was compensating for the right role that I had in it all three of those flights to some extent. Um, the other day I was, uh, let's see, I looked at the numbers when I came back. Uh, my fastest cruise was about 143, and I'm still staying below the the uh, the 3,000 RPM. I did run about 3,100. My um, exhaust gas temps are getting up to in the red to 1,400. Now I have to find out from Ray, their uh, their engine installer and uh, engine guru, whether that's okay. They don't give you an, an exhaust gas temp in the book, 
They give you um, CHTs, but no EGTs. My CHTs are all perfect in the green, and uh, that part's nice. Oil pressure, oil temp is running very well. I have a large nine-roll oil cooler, real thick one, um, that's TSO'd. The one that comes with the engine with the 260 IS is a little stinker. Might be about four rows. Um, it looks like it's very light aluminum. Um, UL guy said, nah, I wouldn't put that one in. He said uh, they've had some trouble with some failures. So I went with a bigger one, and Carl Eldridge recommended that one too. And um, the airplane, did, now the last time I flew it, I didn't have the right roll. I had, I, had, I had time to go tear around and smash some bugs. And uh, it handles just, just like the Legacy did. It's light on, the, on, on roll. It's, uh, it's, it's nice. It has a good feel on, on, on pitch. Um, it, it, lands, it lands beautifully. I thought the Challenger was the easiest play, airplane to land, but I, I think the Sonics is if you're not too high and too fast and you got an engine problem that you're worried about. Um, I've not had it on asphalt yet. It's always been on turf. But uh, as soon as I can, I know I can get myself up out of there again with a, a, a shoulder that's bad and ribs that are broken, <laughs> I will be back at it. Um, uh, Leroy, um, obviously you did a weight and balance after you um – you did the conversion. Did it yeah. shift the weight and balance forward or aft? I know your your weight went up. You said, but yeah. Um, uh, how was the distribution? Um, you know, I took the weight. I took the weights. I have not actually done all the calculations yet, but uh, I should have that done. But I don't. So. I will have to. I'll have to work on those numbers. I don't think it it changed very much. It it if anything, it's a little more. It's got a little more weight on the nose. Yeah, if anything. Well, I, I, intuitively I, that makes sense because you yeah. got a bigger cow or a cockpit, and yes. so you would think it would weigh a little more on the nose. Sure, you got more. You got more air in there, but you've got more material. So. Um, and with the bigger fuel tank, you've got more weight there. You've got more fuel. Um, it was full the other day when I flew it. Um, I did not, I didn't see um, my legacy model, especially the tail dragger. If I didn't put quite a bit of nose trim in it for my takeoff run, when I rotated, it would, it really wanted to go nose high. Um, so I always started with quite a bit of, uh, nose down trim. Now I don't know if you guys experience that or not. I've got a total of, oh, let's see, I've got twenty seven on this airplane. I've got twenty nine in my tail dragger Jabru airplane. So um, about sixty seventy hours total in a Sonic. So and they're they're spread out so far. You know, I only got twenty five before I wrecked it, and. Uh, then it's another year to get it rebuilt. And um, so I don't get to fly a lot. So. All right, guys, what else, um, what else do we need to ask Leroy? Well, Leroy, would you do it again? Um, would you convert your A to a B 
Um, would you just go with a B or would you just go with an A? Um, I would definitely do the, do the conversion again. I would, I, I would do it right the next time and I would, I'd convert that engine and make sure I have 110 millimeter prop flange on it. If I was definitely going to use the UL, if I was going to use a Jabru, shoot, it would bolt up just beautifully in there. Um, so, yeah, I would, I would definitely do the, do the conversion again. Or build, if I was building, I would build the B um, because I, I don't think I've got a lot of time to scratch build another, another one. So, yeah, I, I, I like the airplane. I've always loved Sonic since, what, 1997, 98, John brought that airplane out. And I've been, I've been pestering them and, and drooling on their airplanes for, for that number of years. So um, I had to argue with them a little bit about bolt links and, and things like that and slowness of getting some parts. But when you're the first one, and and they've got a lot of stuff going there. There's uh, there's a lot of pieces to an airplane. I created an airplane kit for a 38% laser many years ago when I flew RC. I forget how many hundred parts there were in that airplane. 14 ribs, and every doggone one of them was a different size. Luckily, you got to make two of the same. Um, so there's a lot of details that go into making an airplane and to get every bolt length and every every hardware part right on the drawings for the first time around is is pretty difficult. I did end up letting Carrie know when I when I found some. Sometimes I didn't. I was ornery a couple of days, and I didn't didn't always let them know. But uh, they you know they were kicking parts out for me. They were shooting me drawings and. And I had to wait a little bit on the motor mount, but I still got done and got to fly it before the first of the year. So all in all, I guess it took me from July of 2016 to uh, November 27th of 2017. So that was, uh, it was a busy time. And then I had to repaint um, and that didn't always work out quite well. I just ended up, my buddy repainted uh, wing roots for me. So now it's all all rubbed out. Um, it's probably about a six and a half as far as finishes goes. I'm compar comparing it to uh, to Drew Waterworth's uh, YX. Um, that was a ten in my book. This is about a six and a half compared to that, but it looks beautiful at uh, at about ten feet, <laughs> and it sounds great. Uh, my buddy shot a little video of it the other night when I was flying. And uh, it sounds powerful on takeoff, and it, it sounds beautiful on a 140-50-mile-an-hour pass. And uh, everybody just loves the looks of the airplane. I, I like the call modifications. I think it makes it look kind of tough um, with the bumps on it and uh, might slow it down a little. But uh, I'm very, very happy with the airplane. What about any any sort of final thoughts, uh, advice to others who are either currently building a B model or possibly uh, considering a conversion kit? If you just sort of wrap it up with some final thoughts and advice, what would that be? I guess my main problem was with that windshield, and uh, and I talked to the guys 
um, in the in the shop. They build these things every day, and uh, they know exactly how to put that stuff together. And if if they build that canopy, that windshield plant on the bench, that's exactly the way I I would do it. And I think if you went to a workshop for the B model specifically now, they probably tell you that. But I'm not one to ask a lot of questions. Um, I move forward, and uh, and if I do it wrong, being a woodworker, you just grab another piece of wood and you make another one. Aluminum, sometimes you got to order another part, or you scratch make you make one yourself. So um, sometimes, like Tony Spicer said, you have two airplanes laying on the floor, and you finally get one done with all the parts together. But uh, that was my main, I think, my main issue um joining the two fuselage parts together was tough but not impossible we did it you know we did it when we built the oh i think i put my fuselage sides on but here i had the sides and the bottom and everything joined together so it was rigid um but if you could put your sides on to the the tail cone sides and work it that way that would that would take a lot of the fight out of that. I I really really don't have any other any other thoughts there. It's it's a wonderful machine, and very well very well thought out. And now that I've got more cockpit room, I'm very pleased with it. I would have preferred a dual stick. I like to stick between my knees, like to rest my hand on my thigh. Your hand is just sitting there. It's not like you're using much force to to move the stick so even though there's no armrest it doesn't it doesn't seem like there's fatigue there from from having to hold your hold your hand on a on a center stick yeah the tank uses all oops fittings now they're they're very nice to use i think um the 20 gallon tank fits in there very nicely i guess that's that's about all i have all right well good deal uh, John, Gary, any final questions or comments? Nothing particularly for me. I mean, it sounds like a, an interesting project. Uh, John, I don't think you'll have any trouble just putting some access panels in the bottom of the seat and using rib nuts. I, I did that with a lot of panel access panels in, in my latest uh, project. So that's that's probably not too much of an issue to worry about. That's one of the things that I'm... Uh... Because I've already, you know, I have a flying airplane and I know a lot of the warts and the problems like pulling that whole seat pan out to get to things. Um, I'm taking this project as an opportunity to do a lot of rewiring, uh, correcting a lot of the issues that I've seen in the, I've got a little over 400 hours on my Sonics. And, uh, you know, I'm going to take that to the B model and say, okay, I'm going to try to to keep it as stock as possible, but, you know, access panels are huge. Um, you know, even behind the panel is, is always been a problem with the Sonics, you know, having to, you know, dive underneath in that hell hole, trying to work underneath there. Um, so as I put this thing together, I'm going to be constantly thinking, how can I get better access to things that I've had problems getting access to? Um, so exactly. access is huge. Yeah, it certainly is. It. And Leroy, yeah, and I, I did a, um, a dual battery system in parallel oh. uh, by UL Engine. So if you give me a call sometime, we can talk about that if you're interested. Okay. 
Yeah, you bet, Chuck. Wonderful. All right, Leroy. Well, I think that probably uh, gives us a pretty good look at the B model, the conversion, the performance and ergonomics, and just generally what's in store for uh, future Sonics builders. Um, I guess I'll just sort of conclude by saying that the the B model is the new standard model. Um, aside from plans building on a, a set of legacy plans or a kit that's been uh, sitting out there and can be bought secondhand, that's the new standard going forward. And um, more and more people are going to be tackling B models than are going to be converting A models to B. So some of these comments are going to be good. And um, I'm really excited about the future of Sonic's kits. I think that's a lot of really cool refinements. And I'm quite positive that in a couple of years, um, we're going to look back at the legacy models and it's going to be kind of like looking back at the early plans builders <laughs> who didn't have a lot of parts to buy that had to, you know, cut their own spars and all those horror stories, you know, back in the day type stories as people, you know, are, are building B models and they're just taking advantage of all those refinements. So I think that's pretty cool. I'm going to say that I'm, I'm going to try to be the second B model flying. Ooh. All right. Even though I don't have the kit yet. <laughs> but Gary's going to help me. Okay. <laughs> I'll cut extra holes in it for you. I know. You're, you'll just get be there just just riveting me and saying, hey, you know, you didn't do that right. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Leroy. Thanks again. Uh, look forward to seeing you at Oshkosh. And um, can we expect you at, at AirVenture in 2019? Certainly. Um I hope Good. I'd like to get my airplane. I would have liked to have gotten it there this year, but the uh, we're just horrible weather. It wasn't quite done. I never did find Camp Sonics, and I'm very disappointed I didn't get down there to find you guys. Um, but I don't hang out with Sonics builders up there very much. One year I brought two cases of beer, and I never found one. <laughs> what? Well, next year you will not have that problem. You can find us at Camp Sonics, and uh, if you bring two cases of beer, I guarantee we will help you drink it all. All right, sounds yeah. good. Sounds good. We will even help you. You know, make sure your cooler is lighter when you leave. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy, thanks again for running us through that. You're welcome. Really interesting to hear you talk about your project. I think it really clarifies some of the steps involved in moving from a legacy model to a B model and then really what people can expect when they start flying their B model. So great to hear about that. Wish you a lot of luck and a lot of fun flying in your new B model. And that UL engine just sounds really, really good in your videos. For everybody else, you can visit us on the web at sonicsflight.com. You can find the show notes at sonicsflight.com slash four two. You can also subscribe to the podcast using iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. You can listen to it right from the webpage using the MP3 file. And you can like our new Facebook group, and there's a link on our homepage to that Facebook group. It's the Sonics Flight Podcast group. Send us an email if you have some feedback or you have a suggestion. You can find that on the website, or you can send it to feedback at sonicsflight.com. So lastly, I've got one final announcement. The Sonics Flight Gang, John, Gary, and I, are going to be hosting a Sonics Firewall Forward installation seminar. So this is something that's really new. We, we think that it's going to help out a lot of builders. The idea is this. We talk a lot about how to 
how to do all those things that are going to give you a successful airplane. Things like your fuel and electrical system, your, your cowling, fitting uh, modified baffles to make sure that your engine cools properly, uh, tuning your carburetor, all those things that really give you a, a super successful flying airplane. We cover all that in the podcast, but we continue to get questions from builders. Builders are hungry for this information, and they really want that that intensive, hands-on, one-on-one experience. So we are gonna we're gonna try this out and see how it goes. We are going to host a Firewall Forward installation seminar. We're gonna do the first one in Kansas City in early November. If you are interested in attending this seminar, go to our website and check it out sonicsflight.com slash seminar. It has the details. You can find a registration link and some details about the topics we're going to cover. And I really encourage you, if you're if you're at that stage or you're, you're going to be coming up on your firewall forward installation soon and you really want to take advantage of the community knowledge that is out there that we have assembled over the years, come to our seminar. I don't think you're going to be disappointed. I think it's going to be worth your time and effort to get out here and attend it. Anyway, go to the website, more details there, and we'll be talking about it in future episodes. John, Gary, always good to talk to you guys and look forward to uh, chatting again here real soon. You guys have a, a great week and fly safe. Everybody have a good one. See you later, guys. Bye. The views and opinions expressed on the Sonic Slack podcast are those of the hosts and guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of any individual, company, or organization mentioned on this program. Nothing presented on this podcast should be construed to be the official position or recommendation of anyone not directly associated with Sonic's Flight. Anything that sounds like advice should be carefully considered before being implemented. Remember, you are the pilot in command.